Welcome back to another edition of the Raptors Pod Table Podcast. Gil McGregor here with Scott Rafferty. Scott, how's it going today? It's going well. Uh, we're in full off-season mode now, so a little bit different, although we have been talking a little free agent stuff lately here. So, but you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say you know, the, the Raps have been in off-season mode for a while now, but now with no more basketball to watch, we are full off-season mode. We don't even know some of these key dates for the off-season, like free agency, but doesn't mean we can't talk about it. So, exactly. Uh, exactly. You know, we've already, we've already covered all our bases, it feels like, with Fred Van Vliet, who is one of the best and, according to you, could potentially be the best free agent in this class. But it's time to shift our focus to the original man himself, 100% pure <laughs> from the motherland, uh, Serge Ibaka. <laughs> he is also a free agent this year. He's coming off a huge season in which he averaged was a career best uh 15.4 points per game career best in in his 11th season you don't really see that that often he's it's it's almost it's interesting to me like with Serge because Serge we're about a month out from he just turned 31 years old and it doesn't seem like he's not the same as he once was obviously he's not leading the league in blocks and things like that but it's been like a graceful transition and, and where he is now and the type of player he is now. And you kind of talked about this in his free agency profile and his strengths and weaknesses. So I might as well let you get it, the, the Serge Ibaka <laughs> expert, because that's kind of like my assessment of it and watching him play and, and how he's kind of changed his game from the OKC surge to the Toronto surge. So like what kind of free agents does that make him? Yeah, he's a, he's a fascinating player. His career, like you said, he starts it off as a defensive specialist. He led the league in blocks. Uh, in back-to-back seasons early in his career, he was a three-time. He is a three-time member of the All Defensive First Team. He's still a solid rim protector, but he's nowhere near the defender that he once was. I think his greatest asset right now is his scoring. Like we already talked about, he averaged a career-best 15.4 points per game this season. He did that in only 27 minutes per game, which is really impressive. Um, and, and just overall, it, it is fascinating that he has gone from this defensive-minded player to a really well-rounded scorer. Like I covered in that, that piece, he's, um, he's a reliable three-point shooter now. Um, he only shoots catch-and-shoot threes, but there's a ton of value in him shooting the way that he does as a center. He's um, a more-than-capable mid-range scorer, so the combination of that makes him a really good pick-and-pop threat, so he complements Kyle Lowry and Fred Van Vliet really well. And he's also a really efficient scorer in the paint. He's not the above the rim finisher that he once was. I think once upon a time, like 20% of his field goal attempts were dunks. And this season that was down to like 9%, but he, he's got a soft touch around the basket. He's a guy who, who's good from flow to range, um, you know, ha, has hook shots and things like that. And he's got the second most paint baskets on the Raptors this season behind only Pascal Siakam. So I think when you put that all together, he has a ton of value on this team. He's a really good pick and roll guy. He's a cutter. Uh, a strong cutter, a guy who can hit the offensive glass. The problems with him is that he doesn't really create much offense for himself and for other people. He rarely gets to the free throw line and he's just generally quite reliant on his teammates for scoring because he's not a guy who scores with his back to the basket and stuff like that anymore. Um, but still ton of value in what he does bring offensively in particular. Um, but I, I do think it's important to make the distinction distinction that even though he started his career as a power forward, He's been a sense of the last two seasons. And I think where the NBA has been going recently and uh, what his strengths are as an offensive player, to me, it, he's, he's a center now and not a power forward, um, which I think we'll, we'll get into a little bit when we talk about what, what teams could suit him if it's not the Raptors. But I do think that's important moving forward that he is, you know, you do kind of look at him more as a, as a center. 
Yeah, yeah. And, and if you haven't read it by, by now, Scott, excellent deep dive on, on the strengths and weaknesses of, of, of Serge Ibaka going into free agency on NBA.com along with some other great things uh, on, on the Raptors and everything else. And one thing that you mentioned about his offensive game and watching the Raptors as much as we do, it, it feels like it's a weird kind of a dynamic when I think about it because – Oftentimes, I, I I trust him in situations just as much as I trust anybody else to, to knock those big shots down. Um, there there have been times, even in the postseason, when they needed some offensive boost, where he was hitting you know those uh, break spot threes, you know pick and pop here and there, some much needed buckets. But the interesting thing that I thought about after that was, well, he definitely had a couple stinkers too. But it, it just almost seems like his place in the hierarchy of what the Raptors need. You're, going, you're relying on Lowry or, or counting on Lowry, counting on Van Vliet, counting on Siakam more to where it almost feels like you know that Serge is usually capable of this. And when he has an off night, it seems more like an anomaly, not like because because Carlin does this on our post game. There's been times when he's like, man, I need more from Serge. I need more from Serge. And I'm thinking like you're just being hard on him. Then I go and realize, oh, he was he had five points. He was two for seven tonight. I didn't even realize it because it almost seems like. I guess it's not not a bonus because they do rely heavily on what he does. He's one of the five guys average over 15 points per game, but just where he is in the scheme of things makes me feel like that situation and and how he has been in Toronto of the past couple of years and becoming the the center and, and being the starter by committee when it was he and Valanchunas and then becoming the sixth man. Once Gasol came, it just made it, it feel like a unique spot for him that, quite frankly not even sure that could be even replicated elsewhere well that's the interesting thing about this team is that I I think you can make the argument that they had if not one of the best the best center rotation in the league this season Mm -hmm. just when you put Marcus Gasol and Serge Barker together and they're so they complemented each other because they were so different like Marcus Gasol is this you know one of the best passing centers we've ever seen he's also a fantastic um, anchor one of the best defensive centers in the league and on the other hand you have Serge Ibaka who's basically just turned into this scoring machine and I think they balanced each other really well there because there were nights when you know playing against the 76ers Marcus Gasol was more useful because he can he can kind of bang with Joel Embiid in the post a little bit more and then there's other nights when Serge Ibaka's scoring is more needed whether it's against a team like the Warriors or whatever and I think that that is what's interesting about this Raptors team going into free agency this this offseason is that they could bring both those guys back you know, there's been rumors of Marcus all going over to Spain. That's we haven't heard anything about that oh, in two. Yeah. It's you know, in a couple of weeks now, he could very well sign with another team. So, um, if that is the case and they do retain Serge Ibaka, it, it might put a little bit more pressure on him to be kind of that consistent scorer. Um, and again, like you said, like he he was pretty consistent um, this season. And I think one thing the Raptors will be banking on if they do re-sign him is that he was significantly better when he was a start of the season compared to a reserve. Mm-hmm. Um, he averaged 18.3 points per game as a starter compared to 12.6 as a reserve. Some of that has to do with him playing more minutes, but also his shooting percentages were completely different. Um, he shot 55% from the field and just under 44% from three as a starter compared to 41.5% from the field and 31.6 as a reserve. Um, so those are, those are huge splits. And I think you know if the Raptors are going to re-sign him, my guess at this point would be that he would be the starting center. Um, so you hope that that's kind of a sign that he can kind of, you know, be expected to uh, kind of take over that role. Yeah, that that I'm looking at the the splits now that you that you mentioned, and that that three point shooting is yeah, that's 
like literally literally night and day um you know I, and something about having a little bit better rhythm or, or something like that as a starter another thing you pointed out in, in your profile of him is just how good of a rebounder he is as well and I think we see how important rebounding is just in the game of basketball at all levels regardless of what changes in the tempo and the pacing of the games and who does this and whatever teams that defend and rebound the ball well ultimately there's always going to be a spot on you on, on the floor for you when you when you play defense and rebound. That was something that you know, my dad used to tell me growing up. If you want to play, be a good defender and be a good rebounder. And with Serge being the type of rebounder that he is, that that gives him so much value. And quite frankly, that is something that's hard to replace because of his size, because of his strength. And at this point in his career, because of his knowledge and IQ, because there's so much of rebounding that is understanding, okay, when this guy shoots this way, it's going to bounce this way and, and this angle and that angle and, and all of those things factor in. Because I feel like if you're like just athletic or, or, or whatever, just strong, that can get you four or five rebounds per game. But when you start being a guy, he's averaged nine rebounds per game as a starter that's eight rebounds per game off the bench mainly like that's when you're like okay this is an elite type rebounder I know you pointed out his his rebounds per 36 and it's a pretty pretty solid number so that's another big part of, of what he does absolutely I think he uh, led the Raptors this season in uh, defensive rebounding per game um, rebounding is funny because I feel like it's <laughs> one of those things that you know, it, it gets a reputation of being like good rebounders are kind of stat padders, right? Because right. <laughs> there is this sense that like, well, anyone can really go and grab a rebound, you know, like Russell Westbrook, for example. He, I mean, he's one of the best defensive guards ever, but there was a little bit of stat padding in OKC. And I think it's kind of taken the value, you know, some of that value away from rebounding. Um, and it, it's kind of hard to, we don't really talk much about rebounding as a skill anymore. Um but, but I do think it, it, it's absolutely something that's still important. You need to close possessions. You need to ignite your offense. Um, so having a guy like that who, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as saying Ibaka is one of the best rebounders in the league. Mm. Um, but like you're saying, a guy who is solid, who you can count in that regard, because if you take that away, then you're putting on more pressure on guys like OG Ananobi, Pascal Siakam. We know Siakam likes to get out in transition. It's not that he can't rebound, but he's a guy you want running the court. You don't necessarily want him, you know, um, hanging around on the defensive glass more because they don't have someone there um so yeah that that, that is another part of his game that you know if the Raptors keep him they know they can ha- they can kind of count on that but if they lose him they're gonna have to figure out a way to make up for it yeah it's also funny in a sense that like if it was a, a center that was a below average rebounder or just an average rebounder then that'd be we'd be knocking we'd be crushing him for it because like it's like oh this guy just can't rebound he can't do anything so it's like whether we, you say it's stat padding or whatever or whatever the case is for him it makes him a, a kind of complete you know, as far as the package of, of being a mm-hmm. center, which brings me to the next question I'm thinking about. You you also uh, listed the, the the best centers available in free agency, mm-hmm. and you had Serge third. Um, Montrez Harrell, reigning sixth man of the year, being the, the, the first guy, and Andre Drummond, who we don't know um, whether or not he's, he's going not. to. And he's, he's, probably, he's probably not going to be. He'll, he'll probably be back in Cleveland next year. So yeah. so Serge is pretty much the second best best center, which makes him – an even more attractive piece this offseason and will make him harder uh, to retain. And that being said, you also uh, had the free agent destinations for Serge Ibaka and had some interesting ones down there. Uh, and I think that each situation presents different challenges as far as what they'll be able to offer financially versus winning. And at 31, there's a lot to take into account here. So we, we might as well do same same what we did with Fred Van Vliet. One, one by one, 
go through uh, these destinations that you had for Surge. And the first one actually was pretty intriguing to me. New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, obviously, they have some situations going on, but the fit with Zion Williamson, it kind of kind of was intriguing to me. So uh, what, what do you think about that one? Yeah, like I wrote, I think everything the Pelicans have to do moving forward has to be through the, through the lens, viewed through the lens of how does this impact Zion? Um, and to, to a lesser degree, Brandon Ingram, because mm-hmm. he is probably going to sign that max extension. So he's going to be a part of that team for, for the future. But I think if the Pelicans are going to be the team that we think they are, it's because Zion's going to reach his full potential. Right. Um, and in that regard, I think Serge just makes sense for them because offensively, he's a, you know, a sensor who can stretch the, stretch the floor out to the three-point line. You open up that space for Zion Williamson, who in the brief time that we saw him this season was arguably the most dominant paint scorer in the league. Yeah. Um, you know, I think their games do kind of complement each other on offense because if Zion has the ball, Serge can hang out on three-point line or be a cutter on the baseline. Um, and then he also complements Brandon Ingram well um, in pick and rolls, a guy who can, again, pick and pop, roll to the basket, put pressure on teams at the rim in that regard. So I kind of just like the way he fits offensively and defensively, even though he's not that that you know shot blocker that he once was i think he's still a good enough defender where he can guard centers and take that load off of zion um and and protect the rim a little bit and take away some of his weaknesses um as a defender the problem with the pelicans is that they're just not going to have much cap space Mm -hmm. because even though they project to have cap space right now that's not taking into account the ingram extension which i think we can kind of guarantee is coming so um and we'll get into some of these other teams in a bit but the the situation the the decision that Serge is going to have to make is kind of you know do do I want to go to a team and compete and potentially start on a team or do I want to max out my money for potentially the last time in my career because he's 31 years old um, senses kind of do decline pretty quickly we've seen Roy Hibbert's a really good example of a center who just fell off at a blink of an eye just because of how quickly the NBA is changing so it's hard to say you know what Serge is going to look like or what the market's going to look like for him in a couple seasons. Um, so, you know, do, does he maximize his his dollars now or does he kind of go to a situation where he can start and fit next to a player like Zion Williamson? Um, that's kind of the questions that he's going to have to ask himself. But I, I do think on court wise, fit wise, the Pelicans make a lot of sense for him. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm envisioning him. With, and I think that's what was so intriguing about that fit for me in that I look you look at the Pelicans this past year and they were a fringe playoff team didn't perform up to their capabilities in the bubble. I think they had a lot of things, you know, impacting them in different directions because of that. But I would think that they're one of those teams who, if things go well for them next year, they would high, they're considered to be, that's a playoff team. It's a playoff yeah. team with the pieces they have and as good as they looked when they were at their best. And I think that he takes them to another level because like you said, it, it's such a good fit, but there are uh, so many things to, to be answered there. Namely, the financial thing, but there are two places that you lump together, understandably so, where the finances aren't necessarily as much of an issue. The New York Knicks and the Charlotte Hornets, they're going to have a lot of money to play with and they could offer it to a guy like, like Serge Ibaka. I mean, that's it. Um, I think that they're two teams that could need a center this off season. The Knicks have some decisions to make with their roster with team options but in theory, they could need a guy like Serge Ibaka who would complement RJ Barrett pretty well, I think. Mm. And same thing with the Hornets. When you have Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier, you pair them with a pick-and-roll center, a guy who can um, hang out in the dunker spot and things like that and space the floor for them. 
but yeah, the appeal for, for Ibaka in that situation was those are two teams that have a lot of cap space, could probably offer him one more big contract, whether it's a two or three year contract. And that's those are the situations where he's probably going to maximize his value. Yeah. And I think I look at those places and I don't I can't really envision him in Charlotte. But thinking about Serge and, and you know his interest in fashion and, and who he is off the floor, if it became a decision that was bigger than basketball, I could see mm. Serge in New York City. I don't necessarily think that he's going to make a decision based off of Alf Court endeavors, but like you, you then you get you factor in again if you're choosing between Charlotte and New York and both have opportunity to get that big time last payday, then uh, just based on who he is, then. I could see that happening. And I guess you kind of see a little bit of a, of a parallel, I, I guess. I don't know. He got traded, he got traded to Orlando and then he ended up going, ended up in Toronto and resigning in Orlando and resigning after getting traded to Toronto. So for a second, I was thinking that it was in that, that summer where all the money uh, was, was thrown out, but it wasn't like he just signed with Orlando. He was traded there. Um, but he ended up staying in Toronto for that reason for the for the winning thing so maybe he's won his championship now and maybe it is exactly you know know, let's let's get set but i guess it is the best blend of both of the destinations that that you have what would be the final one the 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 eastern conference finalists this past year miami heat um who who, like the the armchair gms or whatever you want to call them on reddit seem to be uh (laughs) convinced that he's going to be there already for whatever whatever that's worth I, i you know just perusing through heat reddit during the nba finals they still were playing for a championship they're projecting lineups next year saying oh yeah you know we're gonna have surge and he and bam can play against these type of lineups and this and that so they seem convinced that it's happening so they must know something we don't know or or something (laughs) but it seems like winning money that might be the best blend of, of of options not named toronto yeah the heat are interesting because they're they're in a similar situation as the raptors where they project that they're going to have more cap space, I think, to work with this offseason than the Raptors. But that could go very quickly if they re-sign Goran Dragic, re-sign Jay Crowder, and kind of run everything back for next yeah. season. And if that's the case, like they're, they're not an option for Ibaka. Um, but if, if one or two or three of those guys leave because they have some more unrestricted free agents and a guy like Kelly Olynyk, he has a player option that he could decline and become a free agent, and that could kind of open up space. The, the Heat are, you know, a team that a super competitive team that could offer him a chance to start and potentially pay him more money than a team like the Pelicans, for example. Um, the, but this is kind of the team that I was referring to when I was talking about. I think it's important that he's viewed through the lens of, of a center, not a power forward right now, because I think you can kind of talk yourself into him being able to fit next to Bam. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think there's a world in which, you know, Serge Ibaka, Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo kind of complement each other. But it's in today's NBA, uh, which is so up, you know, teams getting up and down the court, such an emphasis on three-point shooting. It's really tough to see a team with Jimmy Butler, who's not that much of a three-point shooter. Bam Adebayo, who's a not three-point shooter right now. I think Mm -hmm. he could get there, but I don't know if that's coming in the next couple seasons. And even though Ibaka is a good three-point shooter, he's still not a volume three-point shooter. And I think, you know, if, if you're playing him next to Butler, and bam, it puts a lot of pressure on him to be able to space the floor at a high rate. Um, and, I, and I do kind of question if he's capable of doing that. Um, but I, I do think, you know, gi- giving that team another scoring option, uh, another kind of rim protector and everything, there is a world in which that kind of works out and, and makes for an interesting team. The flip side of that, though, is that if you did have Surgeon Bam, you'd have one of them on the court for 48 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's super intriguing. Yeah. Um, but, you know, is, is that kind of a thing that, is Serge Ibaka after the season that he's just had 
and when he played his best basketball as a starter, is he going to leave Toronto to potentially be a six-man somewhere else or not a great fit or having to play power forward next to another center? Um, those are kind of the questions that I have, but I do think that the Heat are an interesting option for him, even even with all that in mind. And and last but not least, your long shot, because I, I almost almost overlooked the long shot. You did. I was going to say that this is my favorite option. It's your, fa- your favorite option, the long shot, the, the Golden State Warriors, because I was yeah. not expecting to see this when I was looking at when I was going to go through these again, which also on NBA.com, the free agent destinations. The long shot, Golden State Warriors. Can you care to explain this? Because this is something that I <laughs> you're like rolling your eyes at me. I'm right not now. Ro- no, 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 no eyes being rolled. Just more of like, okay, picking up the jaw. Let's figure it out. How how could this even work? And and what do you think about that? Because I mean, it is intriguing. Anything. I mean, Golden State is going to be back towards the top of the West. They had their their down year, so like, I get the intrigue. It's just like, okay, is there a path to happen? What and what even like? How would you even come to think of that as as a long shot? Because it's a long shot. You might have easily overlooked it. Yeah, I mean, the only way this really works is if he takes a big pay cut because mm-hmm. he's going to be able to make a lot more money, I think, from other teams. But if Serge, you know, he, he's made a lot of money in his NBA career. If he's looking at, you know, another opportunity to win a title, I think the the Warriors make a lot of sense for him because um, he, I, I think he would start on that team because they're going to have Steph back. They're going to have Clay back, um, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, I think. The biggest question for them going into next season is at center. So if they were to sign Serge Ibaka, I think he would start on that team. And I think he would fit in like a glove with the way that they play. Um, obviously, he's not a high-level passer, which is kind of, you know, we've seen really good passes kind of thrive in Steve Kerr's system. But as a scorer to complement Steph Curry, um, Clay Thompson, kind of punish teams for throwing so much attention at them um, on the perimeter. I, I think Serge Ibaka would just fit in so well on court next to those guys. And he's also a good enough defender where I think he, he also makes sense. So again, he, he would have to take a big pay cut for this to happen. But that, that's kind of what's interesting to me about Ibaka going to free agency is that the only thing we really know is that he said he loves Toronto. And mm-hmm. I think yeah. by all, all indications are that he would like to re-sign there. But other than that, we don't know if he's you know looking for a long-term contract, looking to maximize the amount of money that he can get. Does he want to compete again? Does he want to be a starter on a really good team? Um, so, you know, it, with, without knowing all that stuff, I just think it's worth including the Warriors just in case he is like, you know, hey, I'm going to sign a one-year contract, um, play on a really good team, start on a really good team, compete for another championship, and then I'll go into free agency when there's more money next offseason mm-hmm. and try and get that big payday then. Yeah, you mentioned a pay cut and you mentioned what he's made this past year. Serge just finished up a three-year, $64 million deal, made $23.2 million this past year, and he's made about – 120 million dollars over his career so not bad not not bad bad, not bad (laughs) and i and i asked that i guess the the final thing you talked about from from this part of it um what do you think there's there's varying levels of what he could command this offseason there's varying levels of what certain teams could give him could it be something similar to this at 31 if it's a certain team is it a one-year deal worth you know whatever i feel like there's a lot of options on the table here so what are you kind of envisioning based on where it could be this is why I think the Raptors are in a really strong position to keep him because I think I, I don't think the Raptors are going to offer him a multi-year contract mm-hmm. because there's been so much reporting on the, on them wanting cap space in 2021, but they're in a situation where they could offer him a big one-year contract, bring him back next season. He's a starting center. Whatever happens with Marc Gasol, I think Serge Ibaka would be in a good position to be that starting center, um, and then he gets his opportunity to compete while making you know 
one year a lot of money because like we've just gone through the pelicans don't have a ton of money that they could give him Mm. um the knicks and the hornets in theory have could offer him a big contract but like is that a situation Serge Ibaka wants to be in? Right. Um, and then there's the other part of this, by the way. I agree with everything that you were saying about New York and everything. There's also a, a global pandemic going on. Yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? And th- yeah. those opportunities that normally would be there in New York or, or LA, for example, mm-hmm. they might not be there for the next 12 months just because and there's and so and 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 let's not, on. let's not, I'm not saying let's not act like Toronto's not a major you know, exactly. city as well. Exactly. He's, doing, he's doing these things in Toronto already. So I guess exactly. it was more along the lines of it. I mean, I was born in Charlotte, so I'm not going to say it's not even like me coming at my city, but like it's a difference. It's different. It's a drop off. It's a drop off from Toronto to Charlotte, but Toronto to New York, same level. So putting it that way, Toronto, like I don't think he would go somewhere that is a step below, yeah. but New York is on the same level to, to clarify that. Um, and yeah, and then like we were saying that the heat, they might have some money, but they also might not. Um, and his fit next to Bam might be questionable enough for him to, yeah. to not want to join that team. And then Again, the Warriors, they might give him, I, I think it's safe to say personally, you can you can tell me I'm wrong if you if you feel this way, but I think the Warriors at full strength with Ibaka have a better chance of winning a title next season than the Raptors do with Ibaka. So in that sense, I think, you know, if he was to leave a team and want to go somewhere where he could compete, I think the Warriors are very intriguing, but they're just not going to have that much money to offer right. him. So I think ultimately, if he wants to make a decent, like a good amount of money, um, next season and still be on a competitive team while starting. I do think the Raptors do che- check all those boxes, um, unlikely as it is that they offer him a multi-year contract. Again, because they're going to want cap space in 2021. Um, and if they do re-sign Fred Van Vliet to a multi-year contract, it's it's going to be difficult for them to kind of create that that Giannis-sized cap yeah, space. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so I guess the, the, the two big questions that come from that as far as, as, as it goes to the future, um, one is priority level mm. of I, I same thing for for Fred VanVleet that being said and the strong case that it looks like Toronto has over everybody else how big of a priority is it to keep him at least for this upcoming season I think it's pretty high yeah because if you lose him and we talked about I think Carl and I talked about this when we were talking about the the Gasol rumor of him going to Spain the the free agency market in general is just not that great this mm-hmm. offseason um, and in particular, the center right. at the center position, because you do have Montrez Harold. I don't think he would fit in particularly well in Toronto, to be Especially honest. And I also, <laughs> exactly. And I also think that he's going to get better offers from other places. Um, but then, you know, if Andre Drummond picks up his player option, like it seems like he's going to, your best options after that are guys like Aaron Baines, who I like, but he's not moving the needle a ton. Yeah. He, he's, he's better positioned to kind of be a backup. Um, Tristan Thompson, who again, I think, he might just return to Cleveland because there's not going to be a ton of money going around. And then you're looking at guys like Hassan, Hassan Whiteside, um, Christian Wood, uh, and then potentially guys who you're taking flyers on. Yeah. So I think, you know, for, for, for the Raptors, you can take flyers on guys as your backup or third string. Like we saw that mm-hmm. with Rondé Hollis-Jefferson right. this year. As long as you're not relying on him heavy minutes every single night, those guys can be super valuable. But I think for the Raptors to know that they can kind of go into next season with someone at center who they, who's, thrived in their system, knows what Nick Nurse wants to do on both ends of the court and everything. If they can re-sign him to a one-year contract, um, I, I think the you know the, the priority to, to do that is pretty high. Yeah, and, and that's the other part of it. The second part of it is it seems like the one-year deal is the most logical thing based on flexibility for 2021. Yeah. We all know why. 
for that, if you are a Giannis or a big name free agent, similar to what I've also asked about for Van Vliet, let's assume that they get the band back together for this year and you look at the team going into 2021-22, does not have does not having surge long-term make it a less attractive spot for a guy like that? And does this team... I mean, there's so many things that could happen between now and then to to be to replace him or to fill that gap or whatever. But the way it is and how key he is to what the team does and kind of what I talked about when I started, when it's like, you know, Serge just has these good games and has these big moments and you, you know, you kind of just come to expect it from him. And when he has a bad game, it doesn't seem that bad because of him holding that role and holding that place. How attractive does he make this team, even at 31, 32 years old as a free agent destination? How complete does he make this team for somebody if I'm looking at Toronto next summer and saying, uh, we can compete because we got this guy, we got this guy, we got this guy. How key is he to that? Well, the other thing that I think is important to keep in mind here is that, again, like I'm not going to sit here and act like I know what Serge Ibaka wants to do with his NBA future and his money and everything like that. But this could be a situation, like we've seen things before where teams take care of guys, right? So if right. the Raptors gave him a big contract this for next season and then let's say they get Giannis, um, and then suddenly Serge Ibaka is a free agent again. Maybe he signs for a much less contract because he's, you know, made a ton of money with the Raptors over the last few years. One now, he's gonna, yeah, now he's going to ride it out for two or three years next to Giannis, play backups and start to whatever you need yeah. um, to kind of fill out that roster. Again, I don't know if that's going to happen. Right. I just, off the it's top of my head, that's what it's came to mind. Um, but I do think, look, the, the reality is, as I said before, centers in their 30s can decline pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, I think the the good thing about Serge Ibaka is that he's been a good rim protector his whole career. So he's a smart defender. He kind of knows like that, that that's that's what he knows. And he's improved so much offensively over the last few years in particular. And I think there's parts of his offensive game that should um, kind of age well when you look at his three-point shooting, his ability to score really at all three levels. And again, he's like seven foot tall um, and built like a brick house. Uh, yeah. So he should still be able to kind of score over guys in the post and things like that. So I do think there's parts of his game that should age well to the point where, you know, even if we're looking two or three years down the line, this is a guy who should be able to contribute in a small role, whether it's, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game or, or 20 minutes a game. So I do think he, he does kind of have long-term value to the Raptors in that regard. Um, and especially, we, we don't need to spend 20 minutes talking about how he fits next to Giannis or anything like that. But obviously we've seen in Milwaukee, Giannis is at his best when he's playing next to a big man who can space the floor. Yeah. Um, so we know Serge can do that. So there's definitely parts of his game that if you're looking like if, if a guy like Giannis is looking to join the Raptors, I think there's there's quite a lot of appeal to play next to him. Yeah. So yeah, Raps fans, you hear it here first. They have plenty of reason to be confident that that Serge will still be in Toronto for this upcoming season whenever it happens, whenever free agency starts. Uh, but we'll keep you updated on that. Stay locked in with us, Raptors Pod Table Podcast. Every Monday, new episodes. We are in full off-season mode because the league's in full off-season mode. Uh, we'll also have some draft content coming from our guys, Kyle Irving and Eric Fawcett. Uh, maybe some some bonus episodes, too. The Raptors might have a new look. Uh, this ne- They will have a new look next season, so we'll be here to break that down as well. Uh, also, keep it locked in on NBA.com because we've got everything else that's not covered on here covered on there. Until next time. We'll catch you on the Raptors Pod Table podcast. Give us feedback. We'll love to hear your ideas. We will we will cover them as well. Great rating. Subscribe. We'll get you right in your feed. Uh, for Scott Rafferty, I'm Gil McGregor. See you next time.